We're going to be in the parable this morning of the workers in the vineyard, um, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. Uh, So if anybody needs a Bible, uh, just put your hand up and one of the ushers will bring you a Bible. Got one over here, a couple over there. Just hold your hand up and keep them up until you get a Bible and we'll bring one to you. The rest of you can turn to Matthew chapter 20. And uh, like I said, the... The title of this um, is The Workers in the Vineyard, but when I was kind of studying about it, I I looked and I saw another kind of a subtitle that I thought was really neat, and it was called The Character of the King. And uh, I just thought that was a really neat way of of putting this particular parable because it really does show the the character of our king that we serve. So we just look in Matthew chapter 20, and we'll just read through the parable. And then we'll just take it to the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he sent, um, sorry, and he sent out about the third hour. Hey, why don't I put these on? There we go. And saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, and again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, The owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only an hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called but few are chosen. So, Father God, we just come to you and we just praise you and we thank you for your word here this morning. And God, I just pray that you would just fill this place with your Holy Spirit this morning. As we look to your word, Lord, I pray that you would teach us and show us what it is that you would have to say to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I kind of forgot I was supposed to apologize to you first because I'm that guest speaker. <laughs> you probably came to see Brent, and he's not here, so, but that's okay. The Lord can use me too. So as we get into this, I just want to do a, a quick reminder of, of what parables are. And Pastor Brent has done a beautiful job of, of explaining to us in the last couple of weeks how a parable is a teaching that Jesus used to both reveal and to conceal a truth. And it was revealed to those that 
were willing and had a desire to accept it and concealed from those who had no interest. And so as, I, as you look and you see what the word parable, it's in Greek, it's parabole, and, and para means alongside, and bole is to cast. And so Jesus would take that, and he would take truth, and he would cast it out alongside the listeners. And it was up to them to decide whether or not they were going to receive it or reject it. And I kind of like to think about that as like a fisherman, you know, he's out fly fishing and he's casting and putting that lure right out beside the fish's head. And the fish can look up and he can see the lure there and can't ignore it, it's there, but he can, he can decide whether or not he's going to take it and uh, swim with it or if he's just going to swim away. And so that's what Jesus was doing with these parables is he was casting truth alongside the listener's ears and hopefully they were, they were going to pick it up and understand it. The other thing that we need to do when we look at parables is to understand the context that they're being given in. And it's very important to, to realize that Jesus used the parables very often to explain something that he had previously been talking about or something that had recently happened. And in this case, we look back to chapter 19 and we see the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and his question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he must have been hearing Jesus speaking and, and understood that Jesus was talking about eternal life and he wanted to know what it is that he could do to receive this. And so Jesus said to him, well, you know the, you know the, uh, the law and the commandments, uh, follow those and do those things. And, and the young man said, well, I do that. I, I've done that since my youth. So is that all there is to it? Is there, is there more? And Jesus knew his heart. The Bible says he knew his heart. And Mark, I love it. He says he knew his heart and he loved him. And so he said to him, he told him the, the truth of it. And he said, if you really want this, you need to sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And at that point, the young man went away. It says he went away sorrowful because he had much. And it wasn't the point that he had a lot that was the problem, but it was his attitude toward it that was the problem. Like Pastor Brent was talking last week uh, about money and finances and things. And, it's, you know, it's not wrong to have money. And it wasn't wrong for this young man to have the money. But it was his attitude toward it. It took first place in his life. It was his priority. And so, therefore, when Jesus said to give it up and to follow him, that was more than he could take. And he walked away. And he walked away sorrowfully because I guess he was kind of hoping it would be a lot easier than that. And so that kind of takes us back to um, where, or not back, but sorry, and, and you know, Jesus said to his disciples, um, it's hard for a rich man because they have a lot. They, they've got a lot and, it, and it's hard sometimes for them to prioritize. Sometimes people with less, it's a little easier. But, you know, his disciples, Peter said, well, well, we've given up all. We've done what you've asked. We've given up everything. We walked away from our fishing nets in his case and their livelihood, and they, and they followed him. And they say, and so he said, well, what, what do we get? 
And I find it interesting that in the, the three recorded um, episodes of this, this story, you have it in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, um, there's only one spot in Matthew where Jesus gives the specific answer to the disciples about what they're going to get. And, and says, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So that was a really specific thing for the disciples. And it's recorded here in Matthew because Jesus said it was important. But more importantly, I think for the rest of us, is the answer that he goes on to give in verse 29. And that's the only answer that is recorded in Mark and Luke, where he says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And then he says, so many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So he goes back to the answer to the, you know, what the rich young man was looking for. He was looking for eternal life. And in this case, you know, he, he was saying, anybody that gives up what they have, puts on their life aside, and takes up their cross and follows the Lord, they will receive eternal life. And so, you know, then Jesus goes about trying to explain the difference, though, about how this can take place. When he says the first will be last and the last will be first, it seems like kind of an odd way to end that. And then he goes into this parable to describe what he's talking about. And so he starts and he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. And so right away we know that Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven, to something. And the kingdom is a word that, that breaks down, and it's kind of, uh, it's the Greek word is basilia, and it means sovereign rule. And so it's the sovereign rule of heaven, like the, the kingdom. And he often would say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And those two things are kind of interchangeable when he's talking about it. So it's kind of neat when it, you look at it and it's like the rule of God. So it's God's rules that he's talking about here and the, the way that God does things versus the way that man does things. So when we're talking about God's rule, we know how different that is from the way that man does things. So Jesus starts by using something that's familiar with them in when he's talking about the marketplace. Everybody knew what the marketplace was all about. Everybody would go there. It was a, you know, that was, everybody went there at some point, And they bought, sold, did business, met people for lunch, all kinds of things. But one of the things that would happen there is that day workers would go. And they would show up early, early in the morning. And they'd have their tools. And they would be looking for work. They would hope that somebody was going to employ them for the day. They didn't have their own fields or their own businesses or whatever. So they were looking for day jobs. And so the landowner goes out and uh, says he found a bunch of guys in the marketplace. And they were standing there ready for work. And he negotiated with them a wage for the day. And he said it was a denarius for a day. And that was just a, a small amount of money, but it was a typical day's wage 
for that time. It was what a Roman soldier would get for a day. It was a day worker's labor, and it would be enough for him to buy what he needed for the day. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but it would get him what he needed for the day. So the day started early, started at 6. That's how the Jews calculated their time. Their, the first hour would be 6 in the morning. And it says he went back again in the third hour, which would have been about 9. And it says he found more guys standing idle in the marketplace. And for some reason or another, they didn't show up on time. They didn't get there as early as the rest of the guys, but they, they showed up. Their, their donkey blew a tire or something. They didn't, you know, they didn't get to the marketplace as early as the other guys, but they were there and, and the landowner sees them and says, hey, I've got lots of work. I've got a vineyard that's full of a harvest that's ready to be reaped, that's ready to come in. The rains come soon. We need to get this harvest in. And so he hired them, he hired them all, and he sent them into the workplace. And in this case, he didn't even negotiate with them. He just said, I'll pay you what's right at the end of the day. You'll receive what's right. And so then he went back again about noon, and he did the same thing, and again at three, and did the same thing. And so, you know, it's interesting that every time he went back to the marketplace, there was people there that were looking that were waiting for work. Whatever reason, they weren't there earlier in the day, but now they were. They had made it there, and they were ready and ready, uh, willing to work. <clears throat> and it says he went back again at the 11th hour, which was 5 o'clock, and the day was winding down as it would wind up, and, and they would be finished at about 6. So there was only about an hour left in the day. And... He, Jesus says to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, well, because nobody has hired us. And, and I also was thinking about, well, you know, they, they hadn't been hired. Maybe they hadn't been there and they hadn't really heard that there was jobs there that day. But then they heard about it and they got down there, you know, and they got ready for work and they got down there. And it was the last hour and they were pretty desperate. <laughs> they wanted to get home with something for the day. And so they made it down there. And again, the landowner just hired them and sent them all out into the field. So at this point, I think we're kind of beginning to see the truth that Jesus is, is putting out for us with the story and why it kind of shows his character. Because if we're looking at the marketplace and we see the marketplace as this world that we live in and the vineyard as God's kingdom, Right? We can begin to understand what Jesus is talking about in this parable. So now we get to the part of the parable that Jesus begins to show us why God's rules are so different than what man's rules are. So I just want to read this again because it's, it's interesting. Starting at verse 8, it says, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages beginning with the last to the first. So right away we see that Jesus is making a point here because this was not the typical way that you would pay people. You first come, first serve. You, know, you, you pay the people that showed up first. But Jesus was trying to make a point with this story that this was a different way of doing business. And he paid the last guys first. And so... When the first guys came up to get their wages, they thought, hmm, 
You know, maybe there's more in this for us. And they got paid the denarius as well. And they kind of were grumbling about it, you know, and saying, well, you know, how come we didn't get more? And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Peter's question at the first place. It's kind of that, that mercenary question, you know, it's like, what's in it for us? And these guys were like, well, we've been here all day long. These guys have only been here for an hour and they're getting the same as us. What's, what's up with that? But, you know, it was, it was Jesus making the point in the story that his point was that all of us are the same. And the goal here was to obtain eternal life. And that's, you know, what we look at that as the vineyard, Jesus is inviting us into that vineyard of his kingdom to work for him and do those things that, that he would have us to do. But we're all going into it the same, regardless of when we go into it, what time of our lives, what time of the day in our lives that we go into it, we're all sinners. Every single one of us is a sinner that needs the Lord's salvation in our life. Romans 3, 10 to 12 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And in Romans three twenty three, we see, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So none of us have anything that we can bring to the table. We are all in that same boat. And Jesus is that faithful landowner that keeps coming back to the marketplace of this world time after time to make the offer of salvation for our sins, to give us that purpose that we're seeking and to set us in his vineyard where his rules are applied to our lives. We can then get to the business of doing his work for the kingdom that he's set out for us. And we can do it with an attitude of gratitude because of what he's done for us. He paid the price. He paid the penalty. He owns it all. You know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the vineyard. He owns the world. He, everything is his. And he has done what we could never do. And he's giving us an opportunity to be in there. See, the landowner in the story set out, it showed that his, his wages were fair, but his wages were actually more than fair because it, it equalized everybody. The last will be first and the first will be last. That was the point Jesus was trying to make is that we were all equal in his eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, so that uh, Jesus, he, his, his wages for us are more than fair. Because the, the price for the redemption of our lives and the forgiveness of our sins was something that we could never begin to pay. But he's paid for it with his life and his blood. And he set it in place by the, his resurrection from the dead. So he's standing in the marketplace of our lives offering a completely paid-for ticket into his vineyard. And all we need to do is accept his offer, reach out and, and accept it, and move into the life that he is, has for us. You see, we go through our lives seeking a purpose. We, 
we have a void in our life. A lot of times you've heard it said that, you know, we've got that God-shaped hole in our heart that needs to be filled, but it's really true. We're in this marketplace of the world where there's so many things that are going on that can distract us. We've got our jobs, we've got school, we've got marriages, we've got kids, we've got all kinds of things that are pulling us in multiple different directions. And at some point, for different reasons, but we're being led by the Holy Spirit to a point and a place where that offer of a purpose is being made to us. And a lot of people here, I'm sure, have accepted that offer. And, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, maybe you heard about it in Sunday school or from a friend at work or however the, the Holy Spirit made his point to you, you know. But he, he convicts us. And my daughter-in-law, she says, he pokes at us. And I love that because it really does. He, he just, he kind of pokes at us and he agitates our spirit to understand that he's trying to get us get across to us something and he he wants us to pay attention jesus is there jesus went to the cross and he bled his blood for our sins he paid the price that we could never pay and in his resurrection from the dead he sealed it and our, our assurance is absolute if we just accept the offer that he's making to us. You know, I think about it, if, if there was a movie playing in your area or being shot in your area and they needed a whole bunch of people, they'd put out a casting call and say, you know what, anybody that shows up can be in the movie. You know, it'd be advertised, whatever, and all you have to do is show up, you're guaranteed to be in the movie, absolutely. But there's only one way you can get there, and that's to show up and accept the call. Answer the casting call that's being made, right? So are you gonna answer the casting call that Jesus is casting out to you today? Are you gonna accept his offer of eternal life? He's so faithful. He continues to make the invitation into his vineyard. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're feeling that agitation, that Holy Spirit poking in your soul and and you're wondering, hmm, is today the day? Don't put it off. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, in an acceptable time I have heard you and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So if you're struggling to find your place in life, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if that's you today, and you're feeling the Holy Spirit tugging at your soul, and you want to make that change in your life. You want to say, Jesus, I can't do this anymore without you. I need you in my life. I, I just hope that you would just 
open up and just pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I, I just need you in my life. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to change. I need to move on with my life and, and be with you. And you know, you don't have to do a bunch of stuff. You don't have to change things in your life before you can accept that offer. You don't have to do this or do that. You know, if, if the rich young man had gone off and sold all of his stuff and followed the Lord, it wouldn't have been the selling of his stuff that made the difference. It would have been the decision that he made before that. The decision is made first. Yeah, I'm going to follow the Lord. Everything else comes after that. The Holy Spirit can help you change all of those things in your life. He will move in your life and he'll do those things for you. So if you want to receive the Holy Spirit or Jesus today, just accept that offer that's being given. And you know, at the end of the service, we'll have people up here that can pray for you. Um, if you're online, you know, just let us know through an email. Somebody will contact you and get a hold of you. But you know, it's important not to put it off anymore. Today is the day Jesus is trying to get a hold of your life and change it. So... The worship team just want to come back up and, and we'll sing another song. And, and like I said, there'll be people up front to pray at the end. And I just pray that if, if you accept the Lord today, just, just let us know. That would be a wonderful thing. Don't put it off any longer.